Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Well, friends, we are here with another lesson plan rescue. And this comes from a question we don't get like super, super often, but often enough. And it is definitely something that both of us have, I will say struggled. I I know I have struggled with just figuring out how to deal with this. I've tried like hacks that just straight up don't work because they're more work for me than they are for the students. And that is the key to most of my solutions to most of our lesson plan rescues is make the kids work harder in general than I do on their classwork. You know what I mean? Yes. You want to tell the lovely people what they're here to hear about? Yes, lovely people. So Marie and I are trying to rack our brains. I don't I don't think that there's a specific episode about this topic anywhere. I think it's come up in multiple places, but let's put it all in one place, okay? So here's the question I get a lot, either coaching or like every once in a while, I'll put a sticker out on my story and teachers are asking for help. And I think especially post-pandemic, mm-hmm. Work time. So whenever, and that this is a this is a wide ranging issue, right? Like I'm thinking primarily about projects, right, that occur over time and require, right, an entire class period is dedicated to time on this project, this research assignment, this web design that you're doing, whatever it might be. But I think that this also applies to teachers. I know when I coached, and I coach a lot of teachers who are all across the board in terms of experience. So it's pretty universal, but when they give work time on assignments, right? So we're told don't give homework, but then when we give class time, kids are not using it appropriately. (laughs) So we kind of wanted to tap into rescuing these lessons where there's more of that free time, which we all want our kids to have because we want them to explore their brains and do their thing and not be them. Um, But we need to figure out how to make this time productive. We need to figure out how to grade assignments that are in this realm and just kind of talk through some classroom management things with long-term and free-reigning projects. Yeah. And I have thoughts that might ruffle a few feathers. I've got, yes, I'm excited to dig into it with you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. So friends, as we dive in to talk about how, I mean, really this lesson plan rescue is primarily about 
long-term projects, like Amanda said before, that like, you know, are going over weeks or days or months or however it is that your schedule allows or makes it happen um, with independent student work time. I will say, though, that the issue we're talking about is student productivity. Well, there's a few different things we're talking about. Student productivity is something, though, that bridges the gap between long-term, short-term, immediate, all of the different sorts of things that we could have students working independently on. There is a time for all classwork. There is a time for group work. There's a time for partner work. And there is a time for independent work. And I think that all of those different types of work, we have potential for students to get off task, especially like my class is 36 to 41 generally speaking, students to me. And when I'm lucky, it's me and my co-teacher right in there together. And I even, you know, a 20 to one ratio is still a lot of kids to keep on task at any given time. And so this is just something that like, you know, even though I'm here and I am a professional and I am like, I am definitely an expert in my field. I have trouble with it too, because you can't control children. Like that's, the long and short of it is. So a lot of the things that I have learned have to do with my own mindset and what my expectations are. And if I expect every single child to fall in line, I'm going to fail. Like there's no way around it. I'm going to fail. Why? Because that's just not realistic. And it's not that like, oh, it's because kids are bad. No, it's because it's not what they need right then. They're children. And sometimes getting their work done is so low on the hierarchy of needs that a kid just needs to take a nap, truly. And no, it's not them being lazy. It's because they were up all night long with their brand new baby sister or whatever, you know, and like, they're just not going to be able to get it done right then. So I just like, I wanted to start us off with, if for some of us, it's a an affirmation that like, yes, you're doing right by kids if you let them have what they need in that moment. It doesn't mean it's not frustrating. It doesn't mean I don't sometimes take it personally when the same kid keeps sleeping. But when the same kid keeps sleeping, they obviously need more sleep, right? So there's just a different nut to crack there. But then for some of us also on certain days, it might be a mindset shift. I just wanted to start with that to be like, hey, you're not doing anything wrong. If kids are having a hard time, sometimes there might be some things that we can adjust and shift to help them be more productive during whatever the setting is. But there's nothing wrong with you and wrong with your teaching. You might be able to make some like habit adjustments, but for the most part, it's going to come with a mindset shift that will then other things will start to fall into place. Okay. Thank you. Well, I will jump off of my soapbox now. No, <sighs> no, I won't. If you, if you, no, you won't. no, you shouldn't because that's why you have a podcast. The, <laughs> if, you, if you're tracking what Marie's saying, but still feeling like a little bit uneasy about like what this actually looks like, I would recommend after this episode, going back to listen to our interview with Dr. Deanna Smith. Yes. She, she, we talked with her at the beginning of uh, this school year. No, last school year. Yeah. It was August or July. Oh no, it wasn't this year. Well, we talked to her twice. That's why we talked to her two summers in a row. Yes. (laughs) she, She is a specialist in cultivating classroom community under the umbrella, like the very vital umbrella of joy, right? Like joy is her touchstone word. And it's all about, you know, she, I, remember, I can remember distinctly when you said that, like, we can't manage behaviors. We can't, right? we're not the managers. And like, that's not how that is. So like, it is a mindset shift. And so much of this, I, I feel like what I've coached, I've kind of gone back to what is the classroom community like on a non-work day? Yeah. 
who is in charge, who knows, well, you know, like what the, what the restraints are, who knows what the rules are, who knows what, how does it all feel? Cause that, that is going to impact what we're about to say. Like having your classroom community, having that be a priority of establishing that at the beginning of the year will impact and like, right, kids are kids. So like you could have the most glorious, perfect community and you're going to have kids do batshit things whenever, but they go hand in hand. Because they're humans. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens. There are humans and it's okay. Here's my very first piece of advice is to stop giving free time and start giving structured days or even better structured sections. So let's take a research project, for example, right? There are stages to the process. I would start by assigning particular days for those pieces. So on days one and two, these are your research days. I'm not going to maybe control it more than that. I might have like an entrance ticket, exit ticket, but you have day one and day two to complete your research period. Uh, you know, your whatever, if you're still using note cards or if you're doing something else online, like easy bib or whatever, whatever they need to complete in terms of the research is due at the end of day two. Mm-hmm. Not at the end of the project. It's due no. at the end of day two. And so that way you've kind of given yourself like a focus. The kids have a focus, but they're still doing their own thing. But there's not so much time that there's time to be wasted. I think that for me is like one of the first things you can do is look at your project and figure out how you can construct days around those pieces. Well, and it, it does take backwards planning, which is something we are talking about a lot right now. <laughs> talking a lot about backwards planning. We like to talk about it a lot in, um, well, we talk about it at the end of the school years, looking forward, going back to school. And right now we like to talk a lot about backwards planning because if we are looking at our own curriculum as a big project, right. And looking at the little chunks along the way to putting it all together, that's the same approach we can take to our students, like doing a project that we've assigned them. If we know that we need XYZ done and they have to do all these steps along the way, then you can chunk it up. And that scaffolding, like whatever level of scaffolding your students need, can be provided in smaller pieces. It's less overwhelming for them. And it's a hell of a lot easier for you to grade and to plan, right? Like you don't have to introduce the, I will never forget the days early on, especially in my career, where I would stand up and be like, we are starting a project. I would explain for a full 50 minute class period what the project is going to be. The packet, yes. The whole damn packet. And I would sit there going through the whole thing and showing all the examples. And and I thought, and I, I mean, at that point, that was the best thing I knew to do. Until I realized the next day when they came in, they were like, I don't, what did, what did you say? And I was like, Okay. Um, well, let me just show you the first piece of it. And then it was like, do doy, just show them the, show them the end and say, here's the first thing we're going to do to get there. But it took me a minute to like figure that out. And by a minute, I mean a decade. And that's go okay. Over this in undergrad. I mean, this, it sounds no. like now, but like, it took me a long time to figure it no. out. And even like, the first suggestion seems like embarrassingly simple, but it's, it's not because you haven't lived it till you've lived it. Yeah. And even still within that, showing them the first step might even still be too big. And it's not that the kids are idiots and it's not that that you're doing something wrong. It's that to make the job that you're doing more effective, students really do need to be able to do things themselves. And they just 
can't always do things themselves in the way that like some kiddos will get it and they will go, oh yeah, research, I get it. And they'll go for it or they've learned it before or whatever. You can't control where they were before they got to your class. You can only control what you deliver and guide them through. Like that's it. And even that is a little dodgy when it comes to control. Control is a rough one, right? But it's also like for me as a student, as a student who now understands that I had ADHD, I much prefer, I would like rise against the machine. Like I would be like, stop telling me what to do. Stop controlling me. But like, uh, it was really helping me. It was really, oh, yeah. really helping me. So let's translate this really quick to writing, right? So like I see yeah. like when, when we're doing essays, it's the same method, right? Like I will spend, I've kind of got it down to a science of what I do, like, it, you know, flexible depending on the assignment, but we spend day one on the prompt and the claim. Mm-hmm. Because the most important thing that kids need to be able to understand is what is the question asking and what is my response going to be? And so it's a mini lesson on, well, it's a reading of the prompt. It's a mini lesson on claim writing wherever we are in that stage. And the kids work on the claim only. That's it. That's Just it. The claim. And it's due the next day, first thing. And no one's going to be sitting at their desk at the end of five, six days saying, I don't have my claim. Like, no. <laughs> right is right that what they sound like that's what they sound like that is um, it's more like this right and so like each they sound a little, yeah. <laughs> and like that and we'll get into we'll get into grading maybe at the second half of the episode but i think that that also is going to give you something authentic to grade whether it's a project or a paper i will grade that section of the rubric right then and there as if it's the mm-hmm. final and like that's how i i we, we didn't have a lot of like flexibility in our revision stuff at the places where I worked, but I would tell my students like the first grade is your grade. The only way that you can improve your grade before the end is to improve the work Mm -hmm. over the course. So like if they were done with something, they could go back and revise or improve something that had already been finished and already been graded. So something like that has really was a relief to me, like in terms of organizing the days. Yes. And actually, I want to take a quick moment. So I have made a few different masterclasses that are actually available in our Brave New Teaching shop. So if this is something you're thinking about specifically like writing, if that's something that is overwhelming to you, chunking up writing and also meeting everybody's individual needs, we've got some methods for flipping the instruction so that you teach once and kids have access to it all the time, pre-recorded instruction. And we've got a little masterclass on that. Head to the show notes, go to shop.bravenewteaching.com if you would like to check that out because I guide you through the entire process. I, you just reminded me of that. And I wanted to make sure, again, something that is not necessarily taught in undergrad or in a credential program, even in an English methods class, like if you're taking, you know, doing your math masters in curriculum design and stuff, like these are not things that are necessarily taught, although they should be. So, you know, university systems hit us up. We're right here. <laughs> so Luis and I have been watching some old and some new kitchen nightmares episodes, which Ooh, is like yes. kind of what I feel like lesson plan rescue is. I feel like we're doing your kitchen. A little bit. Right now. A little we're bit. Like, like what's that bar rescue or whatever it's called? Do you know bar what I'm talking about? With that other dude, but yeah. The, but the it's like the same kind of idea, right? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I'm thinking about like, if we come fundamentally, what, what you're trying to diagnose and fix in this situation is pacing. Yep. Students need, and this applies to so many other parts of your instruction. Students need to be given less time than what they need to accomplish a task. Yep. It during your class, which sounds counterintuitive, right? But if you give them ample time, 
it will be wasted. So we have to know that that's a fact and to stop pretending like it's not, give them less time, create urgency, but then create systems that allow for revision and updating and conferencing. Like we don't have to have kids get get all the things on the front end and keep extending the deadline or keep giving them more work time or, or even get upset when things aren't done at the end of your diagnosed work time. We just need to rethink the system in terms of what kids are showing us over and over and over again. I don't know why (laughs) we're not talking about this more often, but like we have to meet kids where they're at. You and I are talking about this all the time, but that's what we're at. It's pacing and creating a sense of urgency. This is lesson planning. This is unit planning. This is project planning. You have to keep them on their toes and keep moving. So people talk about meeting kids where they're at. They just don't talk about what it actually looks like and how to do it. And this is what we're talking about, what it looks like and how to do it. So I've talked on here quite a bit, in fact, this year about how I am also, I'm still in the English classroom and I'm also in a theater classroom, which means that I've got different types of, it is totally project-based learning. Like that is what theater and technical theater, which are what I've got in my other half of campus, basically, that I am teaching. And I've got one of the best hacks for helping students, A, learn more, just practical skills, but also about like what we're doing rely on me less in in the ways that I want them to rely on themselves, right? There are some things like, yeah, if you're going to go use a saw over in the theater tech workshop, you're going to rely on me for that. However, you don't need to rely on me for like how to do an elevation of a set design. You could probably do that on your own since I've taught you how to do it. And learning soft skills like time management and that sort of stuff. I have students when we do extended projects do daily reflections. And those daily reflections go into a log. And I'll explain that in a second. And then it's a weekly reflection overview and like next week's planning. So it's so simple and yet so effective because I don't have to be the one saying you didn't get anything done. You need to do blah, blah, blah tomorrow. They are the ones literally writing down. I didn't do anything today. And here's why I had a migraine. I got really distracted. I distracted the people around me. It's the ultimate accountability because I'm not reading it until the end of the week. I'm looking and making, we're all doing it at the same time. It is the exit ticket. It stays on one piece of paper or it stays on one Google doc or it stays in one place. But basically the daily check-ins are, what is the date? What was I supposed to get done today? Because I made the project plan myself. I, the student, what was I supposed to get done today? What did I actually get done today? And why? Why was I successful? what were my obstacles, right? So like success, you know, basically what strategies or whatever helped. And then what was, um, how do I say it? I say helped and hindered. And so, you know, it could be not applicable or whatever. And then it's, you know, what's the plan for next time? Either how am I moving forward or how am I going to backtrack? And at the end of the week, we look at the overall, we grade ourselves, like how productive was I? How motivated was I? What am I going to continue doing? And what am I going to do differently? Like those are the four things for the end. And so some kids don't finish their projects. This is a different class though. It's an elective, right? It's theater. We'll specifically talk about technical theater. Um, We did right before winter break, we did a props project where they could work alone or in a pair and find any script, movie, TV, musical play. I don't care. That has a specific prop being used in a specific way and make that prop. Not everybody finished. And I was like, I don't care. I want you to give me the, the reflections or what I was grading. Truly. So there we go. 
Well, and so I'm going to spin off of Marie's onto, I have a couple of things about that, but the first would be, let's, let's pause to talk about the grading situation here mm-hmm. because what Marie is doing is definitely one option. There are lots of other ways to do this though, in terms of this exact expectation, but also the grading side. So yeah. in depending on your school culture and the grading culture of your school, I think what Maria is describing would fit a lot of people's expectations in terms of parents and chairs and admin, right? They want regular grades and reflection grades, I think are like the perfect way to walk the line between compliance and skill. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and this specifically the way I said it works well in my elective classroom because it's an elective and like, I need to focus translates. I think it does. But exactly. But it does translate to a research project, which when we get back, like that's what I'm going to be starting next week is a research project. And yes, they're going to have those exact same check-ins, but there will be an added. And here's the product I'm turning in to be graded. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and in my later years, I would have felt more confident moving to a purely skill Yes. filled great book, right? Like, but I would, but for me, what I think would have been important though, is not that we would neglect the reflection, but the reflection would be that piece that explains where maybe some of those skills fell off, right? Like mm-hmm. why this product incomplete? Well, on days one, seven and 16, I had these major interruptions and here's what I did to recover, but I wasn't able to demonstrate this skill. Okay. So, you know, I think that most schools are not set up for that right now. Most parents, Communities are not set up for right. work at the time, but you are given, we're just trying to give you some options. Right. And like, I get that I'm in year 17 in the classroom. I also get that I'm talking specifically about an elective class. And why do I keep saying that? Because the purpose of taking an elective class is not the same purpose of taking an English language arts class. And I yeah. teach both of them. Right. So that's why the reflection might look exactly the same in my, you know, American lit 11th grade class, but I'm going to have some follow-up questions and I'm going to have some different scaffolding and I'm going to have a checklist that went with the things because technical theater and American Lit are both looking at skills. Absolutely. The skills that we are learning in technical theater one, <laughs> you might use in your life, you might not, Wh- whatever, right? It's it, it's more of the soft skills that happen with that kind of a project-based class because this isn't an academy. Like this is just, it's it's an elective and that's what it's there for. Yep. An English language arts class, there's a reason that you have to take English four years of your four-year high school and you have to get like... It's a different reason. Therefore, it's going to be a different like usage of the reflection, et cetera. And like, there's a different reason for having a long project sort of a thing with writing, with research components, with all of that and being able to manage your time, hopefully time, time management skills that you learned in a project-based elective. I think what we want to underscore before we all leave here is that I, I've seen this before. It's a panic move sometimes because yes. when kids are off task or the the project's not going how you want it to, or you see kids wasting time, you see kids, you know, messing around. It can be kind of a reaction to start grading their behavior or to start grading their compliance in order to straighten them out. And I'm just telling you from experience, not from some kind of pedagogical high horse, but from real experience that does not work. And, no. and I feel like the consequences are, I feel like broken trust is maybe a little bit too harsh, but like, well, no, I, it definitely, it fractures your community. It, it is, it's a fracture in a relationship for sure. It is. Yeah. It is. And that might mean that you might have to, like Marie said earlier in the episode, be a little bit uncomfortable 
with the fact that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but that you're giving them space to come around and reflect, come around Mm -hmm. and turn in a super mediocre project that is graded very clearly according to what the expectations were. Right. It is what it is. Like it's a little bit uncomfortable and panic grading behavior is not going to fix this issue. It's only going to make it worse. And I don't think you're going to feel better about yourself. I was just going to say, and you're going to feel like crap. <laughs> like you're just going to feel like crap. Cause it's, I don't feel great to do. <laughs> no, I don't feel great about the kiddos who don't live up to their end of the bargain and don't do the work that I know that they're capable of. I don't feel good about that either. However, when I'm saying things like, Hey, I can see, this is what I am seeing. And I'm able to help them with their reflections. And even like Amanda said, they still turn in mediocre work or they don't turn anything in or whatever it is. My goal in that moment for that kid is that I can be the person that was still there and still talk to them. And, you know, like they don't leave my class going, oh, she hates me. And that's why I got that grade. But they leave the classroom going, hopefully learning some sort of a life lesson. I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to like make this, you know, holier than thou, but I guess it just goes back to like Amanda was saying what I was saying at the beginning. Everybody's in there in a different place, right? So like it might not happen for every kid, but just give them a safe place to be and give them what they need. Meet them where they're at. And it's hard. It's, it's really hard. hard. Yes. But your your practical takeaway from today is yes. tighten up your pacing and create opportunities for them to turn in real work more often so that you have that actual measurement of what's going on rather than feeling like you have to just give them unlimited time for all of the tasks. It's okay to collect things as you go. It's okay to have a a structure to those assignments. Even even on days when kids are going to do homework, I I wouldn't even have it as work time. I would do Starbucks mode or cafe. Like I do, I do cafe mode, like Mm -hmm. have a structure and a set of expectations for that kind of a work time so that you can address. You can say, so like for cafe, when I do cafe mode, cafe stands for calm and courteous, align your priorities, focused and on task. And then everyone's a stranger. I can now say like, these are the, this is what you're not doing on our expectations. Everything is organized in court according to right the way that you've laid out expectations ahead of time. So yep. we know you can do it. We believe in you. We're going to give you as many resources as we can in the show notes. Don't forget to go back to Dr. Deanna Smith's episode. That yes. would really feel good. I'll link my cafe mode stuff for you. Marie will link all of her stuff for you in the show notes. So go down there and get what you need and let us know how your lesson has been rescued. Yes. And let us know uh, how you feel about it. Cause yeah, Amanda's got, Amanda keeps reminding us of the really practical steps to take, but I'm also going to keep reminding you of like, you might be a little uncomfortable with this one. (laughs) Not everybody's going to pass with shining colors. Because they might not be ready to. But yes. you got to start. You got to start somewhere. You, I want us to be the people who give you the like the pat on the back to go do the hard thing. Yes. Because I don't know who else is going to do it. No, I don't either. And we're here when you need us. Gordon Ramsay. We, right? we I, are the Gordon Ramsays of teaching. That would be an amazing show. Honestly. That would be an amazing show. But I don't know. With some of the things that you and I say out of context, I don't know that we'd be allowed around kids again. If we had camera crews following us, because 
Okay, Gordon says the same thing to these people every single time. It's a disaster True. in their kitchen, poor management. Like, and then and then we do like a makeover. There's a makeover component, which is amazing, yes, which right? we love. Curriculum rehab unit makeover. I mean, Let's go. Who would watch this? Teachers. There's a lot of teachers. You know what though? We have. I know some of you out there listening are not teachers. You're not educators. You're not in education. You might have your own kids, or you might have just randomly. This podcast came across and you're like, oh, wow, I have nothing to do with education. And yet this is interesting. So basically what we're saying is, (laughs) I don't know what network it would be on. I don't know what network it would be on. There's got to be something in the discovery, you know, family of networks. Magnolia, Magnolia, come and get. Oh, my God. All right, friends. Leave us a voicemail and let us know what studios and networks we should be <laughs> pitching pitching, so that they can option our new show. And until we meet again, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.